Today we begin a study of the book of Daniel. And those of you that have our podcast possibility, uh, I want you to know that there will be a series. And so during the next two months or so, I'll be teaching on the book of Daniel. And I hope that you'll be able to join me because this book is an unbelievable blessing to, to us. It's got so much in it. There are 12 chapters. And the first six chapters is God's providence in in Daniel's life. How God worked with Daniel, how God inspired him to serve him, how how God led him, how God delivered him, how God provided him. And all of us are going to be blessed because when you read what happened to Daniel uh, and and how God intervened, it it lifts your hope, it encourages you, it blesses you that... uh, you actually could do something like that. The second part of the book of Daniel is about visions and God's plan and purpose for Israel for the end of times, dealing with the Antichrist. Uh, and so I have several statements before we begin. Uh, for those of you that are following us through the Internet, uh, and I have several statements I want to say. First, Daniel in the book of Revelations I review God's plan all the way to the second coming of Christ. So Daniel and the book of Revelations work together. It shows the rise of the Antichrist. It shows the location of his empire. And many scholars doubt that Daniel wrote this book, especially the first 34 verses of the 11th chapter. So there's a lot of resistance about the 11th chapter, the first 34 verses, which pinpoints events as to Israel from Daniel's day all the way to the birth of Christ. 
And so it, it is an important book in terms of the prophetic. That all of us should study, should understand, because there's so much being said today by so many people about America, about what's going to happen, about events, about the Antichrist, about, about the coming of Jesus. But I want to encourage you, amen? I want to encourage you that you will follow us and begin to study with us the book of Revelations and the book of Daniel together. Amen? Okay, now next thing I want to say. Okay. We believe that Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 21, is accurate. For the prophecy came not in old time, times by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so, and so, we really believe that uh, God inspired Daniel, this young man who grew up, died at the age of 80 years old, to be a blessing to the nations. From the destruction of Jerusalem at the year 70 after Christ to 1948 when Israel became a state, there's plenty of evidence and prophetic information about the end times. But there's also plenty of evidence as to other nations being involved in Israel in the end of times. And when you look at uh, Iraq, Syria, I Israel, and Egypt, and other countries in the Middle East, Daniel is very accurate in his outlines of the world events in those areas of the world today. And so we're studying a book of the Bible that is actually revealing, confirming prophecy uh, that is essential for us to understand what is happening to America these days. Amen? Remember that the world started in the Euphrates Valley and will land in the Euphrates Valley. So it's very important to understand the book of Revelations and the book of Daniel together. Now Israel is preparing to build a temple to return the sacrificial system. Muslims believe that the Dome of the Rock and other sites in Saudi Arabia are the most holy places in the world. But the Word of God tells us that the temple will be built on top of that uh, uh, al uh, uh mosque. It will be built. It will be built. And so I want you to sort of uh, experience on how Daniel prophesizes this event and how powerful it is. Next. If a prophecy is correct, is correct, it will have all the pieces that connect properly, just as in the puzzle. Remember, when you have a table and you buy a beautiful picture of a, and you dump all the pieces on top of the table, every piece is essential to fit together in order for you to understand the picture as a whole. And so, the book of Daniel is the only book in the Bible who uh, provides a, a large puzzle, but it fits prophetically and very powerful. Uh, every piece fits perfectly. And we're going to look at that in the next few months. Number four, a proper understanding of prophecy is, that, that I understand myself, is history written beforehand. 
history written beforehand. And so I want you to see it as I understand it, that prophecy is history written beforehand. Meaning it was written in the past by Daniel, and today uh, it's becoming a reality. Number five. Now, I have to say this because we're going to go through this as we study Revelation in relation to the book of Daniel. The prophecy uses symbolisms. You know, when Jesus said, you are the south of the earth, he didn't mean to say that you are sodium chloride. He meant that salt is a preservative that adds flavor to the food you eat. And so, we're going to have to understand symbolism. Number six. And I'll say this with full conviction. The Bible is the only book that tells us where man has been, where man is, and man is going to. The Bible is one-third revelation. And of course, you don't find a book like the Bible in the whole world. For instance, the Koran or the Book of Mormons have no prophecy whatsoever in it. But the Bible does. Number seven. It's a little bit about Daniel. Daniel was born in the land of Israel. In 615 before Christ, he was born. He died in the province of Babylon at the, uh, uh, in, in 534 after Christ, before Christ. In the third year of King Cyrus, his name means God is my judge. And he lived in the same time as, uh, as Ezekiel and Jeremiah. That's interesting. Ezekiel and Jeremiah lived in the time of Daniel. And of course, the invasion of Jerusalem on the year 70 is prophesied by Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk. So if you look at all these small prophets and major prophets like Isaiah, you're going to hear them prophesying the invasion of Jerusalem. Let me continue. I hope you're getting a little bit of this and you're going to be driving and you're podcasting this Bible study. And uh, let me tell you that uh, Jesus called Daniel a prophet in Matthew 24:15. It validates the ministry of, 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 of Daniel. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. He's talking about the Antichrist invading Israel. <coughs> and taken over the temple in Daniel 8 and 9, chapter 8, verses 9 to 14. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, which is the Antichrist, spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, meaning, what holy place? The temple, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, also, number 8, one of the things that a major importance in in the life of Daniel is that Daniel predicted the crucifixion of our Lord, almost to the date. Daniel in 9, chapter 9, 25 and 26, uh, uh, did that. And so the focal point of the Bible is that Jesus died on the cross. Without the cross, it's impossible to understand prophecy. It is important to us to know that the finished work of Christ, His death, Burial and resurrection and ascension is critically important to us. 
And as you look in the Old Testament, you're going to find that all over the prophets. In Daniel, without any doubt whatsoever, partake of that in a very powerful way. He's the most accurate, the most specific prophet in the Bible in terms of the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. Number nine. And we're going to deal with this a lot because when Israel is dealt with, is the center of the system of nations, peoples, and language that arose under the judgment of Babel. In Deuteronomy 32.8, Israel has, has a place. It covers human history called the times of the Gentiles. And uh, the times of the Gentiles, when, when Nebuchadnezzar took over uh, Judah and carried away in three deportations all the young men and all the people and slaughtered thousands. And so it covers human history in this time called the times of the Gentiles, which begins with the reign of Nebuchadnezzar to the destruction of the Antichrist, a period of 2,500 years. So the book of Daniel involves biography, history, and the prophetic voice and prophecy of Daniel pointing toward the cross in the resurrection of Christ. This is really, really important. We're about to begin a major, a major study that will enlighten your mind, especially in America today when everybody has something to say about prophetic, something to say about the future. We're going to study the book of Daniel because it will answer a lot of questions. Amen? Now, let me read uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. And I have some comments on that. I think I'm going to cover about 21 verses today, if we have time. Verse 1, chapter 1 of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jerokim, Jerokim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the oracles from the temple of God. These he carried off in the temple of his God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of God. Some of the oracles from the temple of God. Of course, Judah is the, is the place in Israel. Jerakim is the king. And God delivered him in the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't Really, Jeroakim fighting Nebuchadnezzar. It was God defeating Jeroakim and turning him as a slave to Nebuchadnezzar. That has to be understood. Now the plunder of the temple, parts of the temple, the vessels. And of course we just finished a several series on the sacrificial system. And we talked about these areas, such as the menorah, the altar of incense, the table of shoe bread, all made of gold. We're talking about outside the brazen altar, which was 30, 30 feet by 30 feet. The brazen lever, which was water. It was 15 feet from side to side, 7 feet tall, 7 feet high, and 45 feet round. It was a large pool. Think about this. The brazen altar made out of a... It stood upon... The brazen altar stood upon 12 oxen. Three looking 
at each other in each direction. Three looking north, south, east, and west. This is in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 23. I wonder if they're talking about taking articles from the temple. And these are the biggest articles from the temple. There were uh, also ten smaller levers from washing. Ten. They were the they were also the candlesticks of gold, the golden altar of incense, and the eleven bread. I already mentioned that. Now something interesting. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by Jeremiah, and he hid it to this day. And so Nebuchadnezzar never had access uh, to, to the Ark of the Covenant. It says that Nebuchadnezzar brought these vessels into the treasure house of his God. And I have something to say about this God, but not right now. I just want, uh, I want to sort of, uh, you get an idea of how large these pieces were. 30 feet by 30 feet. Uh, very imposing. When you look at the, the, the brazen lever, the, the water. No wonder during the sacrificial system when the priests were to wash, be washed before they... They were uh, 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 brought into the place of, of becoming a priest. The uh, consecration of the priests, which is uh, very important. All of the priests took showered baths, water. The other priests would wash and clean the priests. So water is a very critical item in dealing with holiness and healing and deliverance. Now, and so, the scepter of power, the power of God, the nation that had the closest contact with God. Nobody was any contact with God. Egypt, Iraq, Iran, all those nations were, were nations filled with other gods. But, but the people of God in Israel, the people of God, they were the only people on the earth who worshipped the Lord. And so, they were the bearer of light to the world. And suddenly, they rebel against God. I mean, the, the temple was, was, was empty. They were worshipping other gods in mountains all over Jerusalem. And you can see the prophet Jeremiah at night with several men, consecrated, washed and cleaned, touching the Ark of the Covenant, and disappeared with it in the middle of the night. Instead of being in charge, now they are a, 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 a Judah become a vassal state. No state at all. Slaves taken to Babylon until 1948. It's interesting. With God, with them, no state could ever come over them. Without God, because of their sin, they are easily subdued. It's not the problem with sin. You see, to deal with sin... You need to ask God forgiveness. You need to repent before God. And you need to get up and start living again. But they would not get up and live again. They were totally rebellious against God. They would not accept correction. They would not accept a word. They would not accept the blessing of God. So the Babylons came over them. The Medes after that came over them. The Persians came over them. And finally the Romans which were in power when Christ was crucified. And during all this time, uh, the Medes, the Persians, and the Romans uh, 
made slaves out of the people of God. And 70 years after Christ, the temple was destroyed. The final destruction really ended in, in, in after Christ 135. They didn't destroy the temple completely. But uh, and when he came to 135 after Christ, 135 years after Christ, which stopped any possibility of restoration because it was completely devastated to the ground. Now think about that. For 1900 years, the people of God wandered throughout the world, outcasts over much of the world until 1948. And by the will of God, establishing themselves as an autonomous state, the state of Israel. But I tell you this, trouble is not over for them. It's not over. There's more to come. When you go into Matthew 24, 21, with the rise of the Antichrist, they will mistake the rise of the Antichrist for the Messiah. They think it's the Messiah, when in fact is the Antichrist. And Daniel reveals that. It will be a time of great trouble for Israel. Greater than their trouble past. When you look at uh, Matthew 24, 21, it says, For then shall the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world this time, no, 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 ne never for, for nevermore, it will not be like that. Now let's look at this king. Because Jehoiakim, it is a godly name. It means the Lord will establish. But he did not live for God. He did not repent of his sins. Instead, he was a sinful and wicked man. Despite Jehoiakim's attitude and actions, though, the message contained in, in the meaning of his name was true. And I really believe that God, in his providential way, was working in the circumstances, even using the events in a very positive way. Because his name meant something God will establish. When I hear the words, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and beseeched thee, means they surrounded the city. And they slaughter, one by one, those who have no value. There were three deportations. And on the first one, Daniel was taken along the, the prime children of Israel. You know, the, the, the families, the most gifted children you can find, was selected and transferred to Babylon. Now let's take a look at that because it involves the life of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar entrusted Espenas, the principal of the Royal Academy, with the instructions of a young Jewish boys in Babylon culture including instructions in cuneiform, which is a type of writing, in, in, in antique writing, Aramaic, which is the official language of the Babylonian Empire. You know, the language that the people of Jesus talk in Jesus' day was Aramaic. They didn't talk Hebrew, Aramaic, which is a form of public use of the language. Uh, but it was the official language of the Babylonian Empire. Astrology, mathematics... All students in this Royal Academy were required to have uh, no physical handicap. So you look at Daniel, and he was a good-looking boy at the age of 12 to 13, 14 years old, being taken to Babylon to be attractive in appearance, 
to show aptitude for learning and to be able informed quickly to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And so Ashpenaz is challenged to transform the Judean youths into cultured Babylonian princes, well versed in Babylonian culture and literature. So now you begin to see that the taking of all of these children and the hundreds of them is actually well thought out. Instead of slaughtering them completely, you have an idea that, uh, that God allowed this to happen and Daniel to be one of the children. You see, the grace and the power of God and the mercy of God works through you. I don't know if you know the story of my ministry, but at the age of 15, I came to America by myself, and God began to deal with my life and began to open doors for me. And even today, as He forgive my sin, He forgive my shortcomings, I'm not going to look back, I'm going to look forward, because if Daniel was scared by God to institute him into Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, palace, <coughs> and teach him and disciple and use him, I believe that God can use me. In other words, I want my life to count in spite of anything that is negative, contrary to the will of God. I want to overcome anything. All the pain, all the unrest, all the nervousness, all the, all the persecution, all the harassment, all the things that I did right or wrong. I want to overcome this. I don't want to die. I want to look forward toward the future. And this is the posture of a, of a young man that knew the God of Israel, even though now in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel had inside of him a remnant of the glory of God in the presence of God, that even in captivity he did not let it go at the age of 14. See, it's kind of interesting. I know a lot of young men. I've been involved with a lot of young men. If when you are chosen of the Lord to do what God has called you to do, you can run from Him all you want to. But you're finally going to end up in front of a wall and do exactly what God wants you to do. There's no way to run. There's no way to run. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to hide. I don't have anywhere that I can just run for and forget about all of this. I have to do what I'm doing. I have to stand here because just as Daniel had a, had a, had a, a remnant of the faith of God of Israel in his heart, I have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who baptized me and saved me and baptized me with the Holy Spirit to fulfill His plan in my life. And I can't think of anything but to fulfill it. It's becoming difficult by the day. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I tell you, the strength of the Lord is on me. The boldness of God is on me. The anointing of God is on me. The presence of God is on me. The strength of the Lord is on me. So I'm not a, just a regular person. I'm somebody that God called and empowered to fulfill His will in the small ministry we have. And because I feel that way, no Nebuchadnezzar is going to rob me of my call. No Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and take me to the captivity in his palace. I'm going to serve the Lord and kick Nebuchadnezzar out of the way in my life. 
So the Royal Academy then is supported by the king. And the king supplied the students with a daily coat of food and wine. Verse 5, chapter 1. The curriculum lasted some three years, during which time the young men were developed into competent statesmen to be used for the advancement of the Babylonian kingdom. Imagine, imagine kings, teachers everywhere, classes, 200 young men, 300 young men, learning mathematics and learning all kinds of things, the Koine form of the language in Greek and in Hebrew and in, in Aramaic and the language of those days. Imagine, imagine how, how you find my brother Daniel in the midst of all of that. The royal grant was to perpetuate the Babylonian system of culture, political, social, and economic values. You're talking about just an a, a organization, a state with hundreds of teachers. The education really was intended to brainwash the youth and make them useful Babylonian subjects. Are we being brainwashed today by the media? Yes. Are we, ba- are we brainwashed today by what uh, the devil wants to do with America? Yes. Are there Daniels everywhere? Yes. I don't know if I'm one of them, but I feel that I have to fulfill my call and I've tried to do, to do that the best way I can. Now, I know I, my time is about two minutes or so, and so I want to stop here and prepare for tomorrow. I hope that you join me tomorrow as I go into the book of Daniel, because I know you have a child, you have a son, you have a daughter. And you're really wanting to know what's going to happen with them. And I want to share with you why is it that the teaching of my father in my life still rings clear in my ear in spite of all the problems that I have had. The Lord bless you. See you tomorrow. Eu quero ser um testemunho, remove o erro.